Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. We're an all-volunteer force. Nobody's forcing you to sign up and go. People volunteer to go. You raise your right hand and you say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this for a few years or even for my life. And it might cost me my life to do it. And when you sign up and you make that contract, you have every right to expect that the organization, in this case the military, is going to take care of you and they're going to take care of your families. Hey everybody, welcome into an all new episode of Can We Please Talk Podcast. As always, I'm Mike Leon. And I'm Nick Severi. On a program today, there's a block going on right now in Congress that is threatening our national security. You may not know about it. Nick and I with the latest on a U.S. Senator who has blocked a bunch of confirmations to military personnel, what's behind it all, and what it all means. Plus in our final segment, a lot of folks did end up getting some student loan debt relief. Shout out to those of you that are going to get that, not me and Nick, but others, more on President Biden's workaround to the Supreme Court's recent ruling on his student loan debt forgiveness plan. So we're going to get into that in our final segment. Before I say hello to Mr. Saveri, who I have not seen for like 14 days because I've been traveling uh, the western part of this country, a new episode of Back Your Play with Q is out now as Q welcomes in college sports reporter over at On3 Sports, Nick Costco. As they break down these issues that happen at Northwestern University with Pat Fitzgerald and the football program, the hazing scandal, Fitzgerald's firing. If you missed any of that, don't worry. Q's got you covered. Listen in to an on your episode of Back Your Play with Q over on LeonMediaNetwork.com or listen to wherever you get your podcasts or watch the show over on YouTube on Rich Q on Q. 
That's a great uh, topic in itself. As written, Nick, you and I are Rutgers grads and Rutgers plays Northwestern the first week of the season. So they'll be with a, an interim coach going on there. If you have not been following that story specifically around Northwestern University, nobody better than Nick Costco's to break it down. Another Rutgers grad, by the way, but on three sports does a great job covering that stuff. So check out that episode. Now I say hello to the dashing Mr. Severi. Nick, how have you been, my friend? I haven't seen you, talked to you for a while. I've been away. Uh, the show, obviously, last week we played some of our best of the first half of the year. But what's been going on your way? New episode of Educate Us is out there. I, I, I didn't even tease it here, but how you been, buddy? Good. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, you know, first is is obviously that, you know, we just had a great conversation you know, with some friends of, of my co-hosts uh, that just came on and, you know, talked about the work that they're doing if they're at, in their respective schools. So that's episodes out. Expect you all to be downloading, rating, reviewing. The feedback we're getting through LinkedIn has been great. I'm seeing more and more texts come in from just friends of the show, which is always appreciated. But obviously, let's turn that into um, something more tangible, <laughs> such right. as reviews, you know, obviously on Apple Podcasts. And you can also do something now on Spotify as well, where you can be able to insert some comments and such. Uh, but things are good, though. You know, today was a special day for me. You know, it was first day, first day, really a long time, I think maybe first day ever, actually, where both of my daughters had something in the morning where I dropped them both off. You know, the little one goes off the daycare for half day. Older one has an art camp that she's going to. And they're both out. I mean, I had the morning to myself. And of course, I used it for work. <laughs> so yeah, my wife's like, well, what are you going to do? You should take some time to yourself. Like, uh, maybe eventually I've got a ton to get done and it's dead silent in the house. So Looking for the peace and quiet and get a chance to, you know, miss miss the little munchkins a little bit more though. But you know, all is well, obviously in Pennsylvania. But Mike, you have been not on the East Coast as you talked about it. Nope. You know. Um, and while you're away, of course, someone decided to swoop in and become, you know, the most important or most famous person in Miami, not named Mike Leon. Of course, that's you know, Lionel Messi. But what about you though? Utah and, and the like, you've been traveling. What's been going on? Dude, well, first off, Lionel Messi, that's right, uh, Inter Miami had a, a a parade for him at their stadium and introduced him. That's pretty cool to see that one of the biggest, if not the biggest soccer star is now playing in my backyard. But um, yeah, you know, got to travel for some work and hit up uh, Colorado, Wyoming and Utah, a stretch of three states that I probably never thought I would either a go to because I had no reason to. Right. And I, I got very limited family friends out there. Uh, and then Utah had a work conference, but driving through Wyoming and Utah, if you have not done that drive, folks do that drive. And I, I was telling Nick this, I think I texted you one day driving through those States and talking to people in those States, you know, because I got to stay in Utah for a few days, Colorado for a few days, Wyoming for only one day. Cause I was just driving through it, but you can kind of see why there's a divide in this country. And I don't mean it just on a surface level, I just mean it on, you know, I'm an East Coast guy. So are you, Nick. We're used to fast paced stuff, buildings almost on every corner, right? Four lane highways. Um, we're just used to moving, right? Whereas over there, I'm on maybe two lanes, if that. It's 80 miles an hour is the speed limit. There's one gas station for 70 miles and nothing else around. There's mountains, you know, like that drive from Wyoming to Utah was very eerie, right? Because I knew what to expect of just vast open land, but then kind of seeing it, it was like, this is great. And then when I got to stay in one of the towns, great because by the way, it's wide open and I can drive 90 miles an hour. But when I got to stop in one of the towns, you can just kind of see that maybe we're aligned on some issues and we're not as 
opposed to one another as we may be portrayed in the media and in other circles. But there's a reason why there's a divide. I can see why people who live there don't like people from like the fast paced cities just because of, you know, the hustle and bustle versus the laid backness and approach and, you know, one grocery store here, one X, Y, Z there, you know, we have an overabundance of things on the East coast. And, and so just from that standpoint, I want to shout out the people of, of Colorado, Utah, and Wyoming, because I just had a fantastic trip, no issues, nothing, you know, forget the flights for a second, but nothing on that front, but just no issues with people, with service, uh, weather was great. Views were fantastic. So uh, shout out to everybody that was out there listening. Shout out to a few new listeners of the podcast that I accumulated along the way and made them download the show. So they're going to want to hear something. And here is that something, because we're getting to our first segment, which is really about Senator Tommy Tuberville and what's been happening with these confirmation hearings of military personnel or lack thereof. Now, if you've been following the Senate, uh, congrats for being a C-SPAN viewer, but you may have noticed and this is from an NPR article about how there's only one lawmaker right now that's using senatorial privileges to pretty much bend the will of the chamber to his own. And this has been happening since February. This U.S. senator named Tommy Tuberville out of Alabama, if you don't know who he is, he's a former college football coach for Auburn University. Uh, he's been blocking uh, personnel moves for the U.S. military that requires confirmation. He's put a senatorial hold on what was 150 personnel moves that were waiting for approval in batches. And why does he want to do this, Nick? Two words, abortion policy. This is according to Tommy Tuberville. We're going to play a clip from him in just a second because he was on Caitlin Collins' program, uh, The Source with Caitlin Collins on CNN, where he said something even more ridiculous than what I'm about to read to you right now. He says he wants to overturn the Pentagon's uh, policy of granting leave and travel expenses for military personnel who cannot obtain an abortion in the state where they are stationed. So, for example, again, this is according to NPR. Alabama has one of the strictest limits on abortion in the country, and they have six military facilities. Tuberville told current Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin that in, in one of the committee, uh, committee hearings excuse me, earlier this year, the taxpayers should not be on the hook for such costs. He says it violates the Hyde Amendment that bans federal funding for abortion. So he's been doing all this and he's been making the rounds across all of the television outlets talking about why he's so stringent on this and why he won't move yay or nay up or down in terms of voting to confirm some of this military personnel. And the appearance that's made the most noise has been, like I mentioned, when he went on with Caitlin Collins, she asked him not only about this, but about something else with relation to white nationalist. And I want you to listen to what Tuberville said on this. We're gonna react on the other side. Take a listen to this. But just to be clear, you agree that white nationalists should not be serving in the US military. Is that what you're saying? If, if people think that a white nationalist is a racist, I agree with that. I agree they should A white shouldn't. nationalist is someone who believes that the white race is superior to other races. Well, that, that's some people's opinion. Uh, and I don't think, What's I mean, a lot, uh, pardon? What's your opinion? My opinion of a white nationalist, if somebody wants to call him white nationalist, to me is an American. It's an American. Now, if that white nationalist is a racist, I'm totally against anything that they want to do. 
because I am 110% against racism. But I want somebody that's in our military, that's strong, that believes in this country, that's an American, that will fight along anybody, whether it's a man or woman, black or white, red, it doesn't make any difference. Uh, and, and so I'm a, totally against identity politics. I think it's ruining this country, and I think that Democrats ought to be ashamed for how they're doing this because it's dividing this country and it's making this country weaker every day. So, Nick, let's recap real quick for the people before you chime in here, okay? Senator Tommy Tuberville, the former head coach at Auburn University, the guy who coached at Cincinnati and lost to San Diego State in the Hawaii Bowl back in 2015. He could barely coach against San Diego State. He is now saying, A, he will not confirm military personnel, which is threatening national security as a letter from folks, seven former United States secretaries of defense, all wrote in to Chuck Schumer and Mitch McConnell saying that what he is doing is going to potentially cost lives and could threaten our national security. The guy who lost to San Diego State in the Hawaii Bowl, I want to emphasize that, in 2015. That man is saying he's against the abortion policy that the military has. Oh, and by the way, he is against the military's rejection of white nationalists in the ranks. Because according to him, like he just said, He's against identity politics and thinks it's costing us. Also, he's against racism, but white nationalists are deemed as racist because they feel the white race is superior. So maybe he thinks it's a double negative, kind of like, no, no, I didn't say that. And maybe he's actually against it. Who knows? Just to recap all of that, Senator Tommy Tuberville was on television saying that he's against white nationalists who are racist which is an oxymoron. Um, There's so much in all of that, Nick, but the big thing on all of this is that the confirmations cannot proceed without this guy's vote. And like I mentioned, we're up to 270 openings right now for military personnel that have yet to be confirmed. And we have one sitting senator in the United States from Alabama that is holding all of this up. And it's eerily similar to what Joe Manchin was doing. If you remember a year or so ago, with respect to a bunch of different policies that were not getting signed by President Biden because they didn't have the votes and there was no filibuster in place uh, that the Democrats could use to get these votes without Senator Joe Manchin. Now we have kind of a reverse situation of that where Senator Tommy Tuberville is holding up these confirmations. Okay, what do you make of not only the soundbite I just played there, but Tuberville's reaction to all of this, how stringent he's been against the military's abortion policy. I know you've heard some other senators like Tom Cotton. I saw him on the Sunday shows recently with Fox News Sunday talking about this policy as well. Um, And I'm going to play a clip in a second from National Security Council spokesperson John Kirby about this. But I want to get your initial reactions to Tuberville being against this, the military personnel being upheld, uh, being blocked, excuse me, from being confirmed because of all of this. And then what do you make of white nationalists who are racist. Yeah, I mean, there was a slip of the tongue there, right? Because in that exchange, you know, he's like, well, white nationalists are Americans. <laughs> so I, I guess, I mean, not all. I mean, you know, there's a country in Europe around the 1930s that had a lot of white nationalists, too. So it's not necessarily just reserved for the United States. But um, it always comes down to this argument that, you know, it, do you have the right to be a racist? 
you know, in the U.S. You know, sometimes that's we don't want to say it like that, but that's kind of what it comes down to. You know, there's plenty of people that feel that, you know, and, and he uses identity politics. This seems, as you've said before, a pretty, you know, sky is blue, sun is yellow type of issue. Right. I mean, the literal definition of white nationalist is someone that believes, you know, that that the European the European races you know, are more are dominant. You know, and in any country that is dumb, that has white nationalists, the idea that the country in question should be run by white people and it feels threatened by people of color or basically people look, look like you and me. So while he's trying to get all that straight now, because he obviously couldn't figure out San Diego State, can't figure out this one either. Right. Um, you know, his argument about uh, trying to prevent abortions in the military. So if you go to military.com, just a helpful resource here since 2016. There has been only 91 abortions uh, performed in U.S. military hospitals. So now that's that number stands out because that's really based on the Hyde Amendment. So in the case of the military, you know, this is just from this website. But essentially, you know, those who were able to who had access to you know women's health care, and in this case, obviously, specifically an abortion, you know, this has to fall under the Hyde Amendment, which speaks to. The Defense Department can only provide abortions if the life of the mother is at risk, should she carry her fetus to term or the pregnancy is the result of rape or incest. In 91 cases, that seemed to apply. So it it doesn't make logic. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense what Tuberville is actually standing for. This really does seem to be him trying to get attention for himself. Like this is the line in the sand he wants to draw to draw attention to him. It's ironic because Republicans like to be the ones that like to consider themselves very pro-military. And this is probably the most anti-military thing you're going to do. But the numbers we're talking about, and this comes up often, right? Like I thought about this in the same context as what we've had. We've seen doctors in Congress being asked these ridiculous questions about abortions and, you know, idiotic members of Congress saying, well, you know, with no laws or whatever, couldn't an abortion happen, you know, on day of birth? And, And every doctor will say to you, no. It never happens. I've never witnessed it. But we're arguing hypotheticals. And what I'm arguing here is, in fact, in since 2016, and now that's seven years since, 91 abortions. This is what Tommy Tuberville's standing on. This is the line he wants to draw for himself. And it's a foolish one. But again, it's just drawing attention to himself. No different than what we see with Marjorie Taylor Greene, you know, Congressman Maxwell Frost, AOC. Like there are there are people in Congress who try to find a way to carve out a niche for themselves. And this is this is the niche that Tupperville has. So between, you know, being trying to get his head around white nationalists, which the next day, you know, to his credit, he did come forward and say, of course, I'm against that. Although he had to get a, you know, side jab at a Democrats feeling like he was getting his, you know, um, arm twisted on this, which is just stunning why that it seems to be that case. And this I'm not it's really hard to figure out what exactly what is the argument he's trying to make? Because the Hyde Amendment still exists. It's not like you know people in the military trying to backdoor their way into having abortions that don't fall under this. So he's standing on an argument that really doesn't hold a lot of weight. Two things I wanted to mention there, um, and you made you made a great point about the amount of abortions that have happened uh, in military hospitals. That's a really great point and interesting nugget there. But Tuberville, uh, again from NPR, had been saying for a while that there is no one more military than him. Okay, that's a direct quote from him from, I don't know if it was a presser, uh, an exclusive interview he did with somebody, but this is according to an NPR article. And he's never served in the military. He regularly features Alabama service members on his senatorial website, 
man has never served in the military. So there's nobody more military than him, according to him. This is, this is according to an article from NPR. Yet a letter from seven former United States secretaries of defense, Nick, were sent to Chuck Schumer and Mitch McConnell. And I want to read you just a snippet of that letter. And it says, dear Leader Schumer and Leader McConnell, as former secretaries of defense, we strongly urge, strongly urge the Senate to act expeditiously on the nearly 200 nominees for the general and flag officers who are being blocked from Senate confirmation. The blanket hold on the promotion or reassignment of these senior uniform leaders is harming military readiness and risk damaging U.S. national security. Again, one man is doing this because of unanimous consent. That one man is a letter has been written about him by seven former secretaries of defense. Articles are being written about him. Everyone's urging him to do this. And one guy is tying up all this and really costing us potentially, again, according to military, former military leaders could be costing us uh, in terms of national security and safety. You want to make one more point before we hop to the break here. Yeah. Similar to um, with confirmations for the Supreme Court, the idea of you know, needing 60 votes, right? Actually, that's not true for the court. It's That's different. Um, but getting bills passed in, in the Senate. What are we doing? Well, so one person chooses to not engage and that stops the process. I understand if you don't have enough votes, that's one thing. If you can't get to 51, I get it. But in this case, because one one clown wants to sit here and make a, a false argument, by the way, this holds up the process. It just calls in the question, was this what was the intention of when our government was designed? You know, that one person can you know, be able to object and then the whole thing gets thrown out. And at this point, the Joint Chiefs has just simply marched to Congress and ask him, is there something just fundamentally broken in you? And hopefully his opponent at some point is putting up ads to point to the fact that Tommy Tuberville is absolutely against the military in every which way you can possibly muster. Because this is it. Yeah, I, as you said that, I'm just I'm just stunned. We have 200 vacancies because some dope wants to make his make this his statement. That's it. And wants to take his ball and go home. So the other 99 people can't proceed with making a decision. How in the world is this a functioning go- a functioning government? You know, it feeds in perfectly into what National Security uh, spokesperson, National Security Council spokesperson John Kirby said, because he got asked this question and. The question is prefaced by a reporter who says, hey, real quick, though, this has been a Republican talking point. So I want to ask you this question and I want you to take a listen to what uh, John Kirby said as his response in terms of the abortion policy for the military, because, again, that's been Tuberville's big holdup on this. Take a listen to what John Kirby said. I'm really glad you asked that question. No, I mean, I really am. One in five members of the U.S. military are women, 20%. We're an all-volunteer force. Nobody's forcing you to sign up and go. People volunteer to go. You raise your right hand and you say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this for a few years or even for my life. And it might cost me my life to do it. And when you sign up and you make that contract, you have every right to expect that the organization, in this case the military, is going to take care of you and they're going to take care of your families. And they're going to make sure that you can serve with dignity and respect, no matter who you are or who you love uh, or, uh, or how you worship or don't. 
And, um, and our policies, whether they're diversity, inclusion, and equity, or whether they're about transgender individuals who qualify physically and mentally to serve to be able to do it with dignity, or whether it's about female service members, one in five, or female family members being able to count on the kinds of health care and reproductive care specifically that they need to serve. Uh, that is a foundational, sacred obligation of military leaders across the river. I mean, I just thought what he said there was so well answered. One in five are women personnel in the U.S. military. And that's why the policy is really important to them, because this matters. Taking care of the people that are putting their life and risking it all for us. This is why it matters. For the people out there that may be listening to this or watching this on YouTube and say, why can't Mitch McConnell or Chuck Schumer just stop him and go around him? There's not much they can do except strongly encourage Tuberville to stand down. They can't bulldoze him. Uh, their power is restrained by Senate rules and traditions and by the sentiments of their respective caucuses, caucuses excuse me. And it's to Nick's larger point. Was this really what was intended from the founders, right? All right, we leave it there. Uh, more on Tuberville's uh, blockade as it progresses throughout uh, the breaks uh, in the summer months here. When we come back after the break, we'll get into some student loan debt relief, and I'll get my education expert, Nick Savary, to kind of weigh in on this new Supreme Court ruling. Back after this. 
they smell absolutely delicious. You can check out these new pods from our sponsors over at freshroastedcoffee.com and enter in the promo code, new promo code, can we please get 20, all one word, and the number 20, can we please get 20 for 20% off your purchase. Head to freshroastedcoffee.com today. All right. In our final segment here, Nick, I'm going to defer to you, my my education expert here, because uh, if you recall, a few weeks back, we talked about the Supreme Court's ruling against the Biden administration that would have granted student loan debt relief and granted up to $20,000 of debt relief for folks who had outstanding loans. That got shot down by the Supreme Court, I believe, in a 6-3 decision without looking at it in front of me. And in the subsequent days after that, President Biden and uh, Miguel Cardona, the secretary uh, of education here, uh, they got together and with, I guess, some legal experts carved out something else that could provide debt relief and support for student loan borrowers. Now, it's going to be a little bit tougher, but the administration is going to provide 804,000 borrowers with $39 billion in automatic loan forgiveness as a result of fixes to income-driven repayment plans. Now, this is according to the Department of Education. You can go read this press release at ed.gov, or you can go to whitehouse.gov and kind of see a little bit more about the briefing. Um, The Biden administration announced that the discharges are a result of fixes implemented to ensure all borrowers have an accurate count on the number of monthly payments that qualify towards forgiveness under this income-driven repayment plan. So the fixes are part of the department's commitment to address historical failures in the administration of the federal student loan program in which qualifying payments are made under the IDR, which is income-driven repayment plans that should have moved borrowers closer to forgiveness and they were not accounted for. So borrowers who are eligible for this forgiveness are only ones that have accumulated the equivalent of either 20 or 25 years of qualifying months, okay? 20 or 25 years of qualifying months. Take a listen a little bit to what President Biden said about this new plan that they're going to put into action. We will ground this new approach in a different law than my original plan, the so-called Higher Education Act. That, That will allow Secretary Cardona, who's with me today, to compromise, waive, or release loans under certain circumstances. This new path is legally sound. It's going to take longer, but in my view, it's the best path that remains to providing for as many borrowers as possible. Now, I'll be honest. I joked in the beginning that Nick and I did not get any student loan debt relief. I actually don't know if this if will be covered under this plan, but let me read you a little bit of it because borrowers are going to start receiving notifications in the coming days, including those that have direct loans or if you have a federal family education loan that's held by the Department of Education. And that includes Parent PLUS loans. uh, And you've reached this necessary amount of forgiveness threshold. This is what you would qualify for this plan and be part of this 804,000 borrowers, borrowers, excuse me, that are going to get this forgiveness. So any month in which a borrower was in a repayment status, regardless of whether payments were partial or late, the type of loan or the repayment plan, any period in which Uh, 12 or more consecutive months were in forbearance. Any month in forbearance for borrowers who spent 36 or more cumulative months in forbearance. Any month spent in deferment, except for in-school deferment prior to 2013. 
And if you had any month in economic hardship or military deferments after January 1st of 2020, 2013, excuse me, then you would qualify to be a part of this 804,000 borrowers, <clears throat> borrowers, excuse me, who are going to get student loan debt forgiveness. I don't know why I can't say borrowers today. I just mispronounced it again, probably. Um, before I get your reaction, Nick, I want you to take a listen to what Paul Kaminer said. He's lead counsel for the National Legal and Policy Center. Uh, what he said recently on television about this kind of new workaround that President Biden is doing to grant this student loan debt relief. Take a listen to this. The larger issue here, of course, is that you know this is unfair uh, to uh, millions of students uh, who have uh, paid back their loans uh, and and took uh, you know second jobs to to do that, and now you have those who still owe this money that are be given a loan forgiveness up to some thirty nine billion dollars worth. So uh, it's you know a political gimmick uh, to be sure. One other thing that WhiteHouse.gov mentions is lowering a monthly payments. The Biden-Harris administration announced, this is according to WhiteHouse.gov, that they finalized the most affordable repayment plan ever created. It's called SAVE. The acronym stands for Saving on a Valuable Education Plan. This income-driven repayment plan will cut borrowers' monthly payments in half and allow many to make $0 monthly payments save all other borrowers at least a thousand per year and it will ensure that they don't see their balances grow from unpaid interest now if you want to find out more about this plan because this is interesting because again uh while the administration couldn't eliminate student loan debt relief for folks under that 20k cap and i know a lot of democrats in the progressive caucus wanted fifty thousand, the biden administration has tried to do something with respect to repayment plans so specifically this plan will for undergraduate loans cut in half the amount that borrowers have to pay each month from 10% to 5% of discretionary income. It's going to raise the amount of income that is considered non-discretionary and therefore is protected from repayment. Um, Forgive loan balances after 10 years of payments instead of 20 years and for borrowers with an original loan balance of 12,000 or less. There's a lot more that comes with it. Like I said, you can go to whitehouse.gov and read more about it, or you can go to ed.gov and find out if you qualify for this, or again, reach out to your individual provider itself, like I have Mohella or Morhelia, I forget how to pronounce it, and I have reached out to them, and like I said, news is still kind of trickling in as to whether or not I qualify for any of that, but what do you make, education guy, Nick Saveri, what do you make of First, uh, what we played from President Biden there, we, we kind of went into the Supreme Court ruling and kind of what it means for everybody. And everyone that's a legal expert kind of knew that it was on shaky ground for it to pass. This is kind of a workaround, uh, looks a little bit to be more legally sound, won't affect as many people as what the previous plan would have. And then what do you make of what I played there from the National Legal and Policy Center, which is a conservative 501c nonprofit group that monitors and reports on the ethics of public officials, supporters of liberal causes and labor unions. What do you make of what Paul said there in respect to the president announcing this student loan debt relief and the way he's going to go about it? Yeah, to the uh, to the person who had said the essentially the well, I had to walk uphill both ways in the freezing cold with one sneaker and you should do the same. Shut up. Truly shut up. 
it's a stupid argument. It's 2023. We can't figure this out. So we have to roll this back to what it used to be because you had it rough. You know, the first thing I saw was that when it talks about 2025 years, this benefits us, right? I, you know, as, as you were talking, I, I, you know, I, I've been out of college since 2021. No. Wow. What am I talking about? 2001. So now I'm looking at- I was going to say, your math math is off, sir. (laughs) Exactly. Clearly, I didn't major in mathematics. Um, So I've been out of college 20 years, so I would be someone that's eligible, right? So immediately what this tells you is that this kind of benefits Gen X. But as you mentioned, you know, there's ways for a younger generation to benefit as well. So obviously- you know, those who are recently coming out of college with mountains of debt, more so than I, I did. Um, the times are still tough for them. And what I would say to them is that, again, as I always say, be sure that you show up and vote and do something about this, because when it comes time to benefit people like our generation, apparently, you know, the president's coming through and you know, we certainly see this with benefits to senior citizens. But young people continue to get spit in the face at by this government. And there's a there's a way to do something about that. So I, I laughed a little bit because I read you know, the comments from the education secretary and, and something I want to call attention to, you know, it reads from the quote, you know, for far too long, borrowers fell through the cracks of a broken system. So let's stop right there. Let's acknowledge the fact that we're recognizing that the U.S. government or any government once again fails with handling money, boggles the mind. So once again, so if you've been making all these payments, you basically have been making payments that in some ways just wasn't counting, right? So now, the Biden administration said, well, we're going to fix that. Well, that's that's great. Thank you for thank you for doing this, because pre- previous administrations just either didn't give a damn or don't understand basic accounting. I'll never understand for the life of me. I don't know why I'm such in a mood right now, but maybe because I was talking about this with my wife about something else about accounting. I don't understand how hard this is. You track people down Social Security numbers because you obviously need it for a loan. Right. I'm imagining somewhere I could export a spreadsheet <laughs> with everyone's name and how much money they owe and track how many payments have been made. Now, granted, obviously, you know, people will fold their loan payments into other providers, right? You mentioned, you know, the organization you're working with, but even then there should be a way to keep track of this. But again, when you've just got people whose time has passed and this is what this technology sometimes beyond them, what do you expect to happen? So in essence, you know, it's a, a broken system that in this go around seems to be helping people. Um, I'm always blown away by this being one of those arguments. And we saw this before, obviously, with the Supreme Court case. And, you know, most recently now, um, Congressman, I believe it's Ralph Norman um, of South Carolina, you know, has said that, um, you know, this would be he would be another person to take on, you know, what the president's doing. Um, Now, of course, something you should all do when you obviously listen to the show or anytime you hear a member of Congress criticize student loan debt relief. Do yourself a simple, simple favor. I'm going to give you a little tip on behalf of Can We Please Talk. Google the name and then type in PPP. I went ahead and did that. And guess what? Congressman Ralph Norman also got a PPP loan. Now, he fought back against it in terms of the pushback that people brought up, saying that the PPP loan helped people remain employed while the government literally shut down much of the economy. First off, that's BS, by the way. The government asked for masks and in some cases, vaccinations. If you didn't choose to participate in those things, as Mike and I talked about, that's a you problem. That's not the government's problem. On top of that, Congressman Norman took PPP money, along with others have as well. To make the argument that that was beneficial to saving the economy, 
but keeping the VIG going from the government for student loan payment, which again, if you forgive the loan payments, these people have more discretionary money. And what in the world do you think in a country where no one saves any money, by the way, what do you think they're going to do with it? Pocket it? Put it in their mail, in their mattresses? No, they put it back into the economy. I'll never, I'm not an economist, but it's the most simple, common sense thing in the world. What happens when you give people more money to spend? Which, by the way, Republicans like to talk about in the form of tax cuts. But on this one, when money goes back directly to the consumer, by the way, that's an important distinction. In student loan debt relief, we're talking about people as individual citizens in this country getting money back to them. It's not your company that gets money back and supposedly the money rains down and falls upon you in the form of trickle down economics. But no, it goes to you directly. If Mike's loans get forgiven tomorrow, guess what? Mike's daughter is going to have a little more money saved away for college or other responsible things that Mike will do. Mike's a responsible fellow, folks. Um, that's what this is. This is about benefiting the economy. It is staggering to me that you know, something that benefits younger generations is something that, you know, folks like Paul was that person's name that want to poo poo and say, well, this type of benefit benefits us. But, you know, it's an insult to people who paid their loans. Folks, I paid my loans back and I am all for people having their loans forgiven. I do not feel burdened. I do not feel as though, well, I did it. Why can't you stop it? Paul Kaminar is the guy's name from the uh, national. Uh, he's a lead counsel, excuse me, for the national. Uh, legal policy center. Um, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, his last name. Um, the Biden White House, and again, there's probably going to be some legal challenges, as you just heard, <laughs> the guy who's lead counsel for that. So we'll see how that kind of plays out. I will say this, though, just to bring it back a little bit um, from what you said. And, and again, I'm not opposed to people, you know, getting their student loan f forgiven. I mean, again, I always say this, it comes down to who's paying for this. Not so much economically, but who is paying for this impact wise, right? Like who does, who do these policies actually impact? I'm with Nick on agreement that yes, if I traveled with no shoes up a hill and that doesn't mean I can't throw you some shoes down so you can travel with shoes on, I'm in agreement with that. However, one thing Paul did say there, I do agree with is like, what about me? Like, what about the people that did fully pay off their loans in full and now I get nothing out of it, right? Like not even like a tax credit or something like that. So I'm in agreement with that. I don't know how that gets executed. You and I are not a common economist, excuse me. We will be having a legal expert on to kind of talk a little bit more about the challenges that President Biden's uh, administration could face with this new policy, because I'm totally not sure as to where that could go. But I am with you like this, this, this idea that we can't help others who are behind us. We have to close the door behind us once we've traveled and and the, the journey that we've traveled this arduous journey they've got to do the same thing they got to earn their stripes i will say you do have to in the career workforce right let's say uh excuse me in the workforce period as you advance in your career yeah you're gonna have to go through steps and hurdles you shouldn't skip things like that but i'm i'm, I'm in agreement with you for the most part but i do semi agree with what paul there said about what about me so we're going to find out more about the challenges to this, who this actually affects, but like I mentioned, go to whitehouse.gov, go to ed.gov to find out if you're going to be a part of this 804,000 
folks that are going to get this relief or just reach out to your individual uh, provider and find out more about your plan or find out more about income repayments and that and what the Biden administration is doing for borrowers uh, who are right now facing it, you know, because of the economy, maybe you've lost your job and you're not able to pay that stuff back. We'll have some links in our show notes that you can click on to find out more about that. Speaking of our show notes, go visit every episode that we've done in our show notes. Uh, If you're listening to us on audio podcast platforms out there, Apple, Spotify, Google, you know them by now. Go visit our YouTube page. If you want to see video portions of the interviews we've done on this show, type in Can We Please Talk Podcast. Hit the subscribe button for me. So good to be back here in the saddle. Shout out to everybody who listens to us on Good Pods. Shout out to ACAST, our hosting platform. Can't do it without them. We can't do it without each and every one of you that listens to this program. As always, I'm Mike Leon. And grateful that I have someone who keeps me in check. I am Nick Samaria. That's right. We got to get back into the middle lane here, Nick. I'll see everybody next time.